Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. Welcome to Weekly Jump, presented as part of the Geekly Grind Podcast Network. This is our weekly episode reviewing first impressions of newer anime and manga titles. Let's jump in. All right, we are back with another episode of Weekly Jump. This week, we are, are jumping are jumping straight in because uh, Blake has Blake has a, an interesting one. Uh, what what are you What did you watch this week for your uh, your screen session? My screen time was this uh, show called No Bless. Uh, if you're not familiar, it's N O B L E S S E. Um, this is one, so we've talked a few times and covered a few shows that are Crunchyroll originals. Um, in brief, Crunchyroll, obviously the, the biggest anime streaming service, at least here in the West, um, their originals are a new thing they've been doing this year, or maybe it started last year. I don't know. Time has no meaning, but, uh, they, they, the, my, the understanding that I have is that instead of, licensing these shows they are helping to finance them so the licensing is kind of baked in because it's their show like similar to when netflix makes a show versus when they license a show that was made by another network that's the understanding i have Um, i don't think that crunchyroll has their own anime studio i still think they're they're kind of contracting out anime studios but the distribution licensing is different it's like owned by them by default rather than something they bid on or something like that Anyway, all of that super boringness out of the way. Noblesse is the next in a line of Crunchyroll originals. We have covered God of High School. We have covered um, Tower of God. This is uh, not does not have God in it, so it, that might be confusing for you guys listening at home. But Noblesse is in that pantheon. Um, I watched two episodes of Noblesse, and I could not tell you what the hell is happening. Uh the 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 flavor, the feeling, the taste that I came away from Noblesse with is this feels like half of a first episode or an early episode where they're establishing things, but not all of the information to establish it, presumably because they're trying to remain mysterious and give you some answers later. And then half of the episodes felt like something from later in the season that relied on information that I did not have. I was so lost. In fact, if it if so there are two things that if I had not had access to, I would be 100% lost. The first thing is the OP. That's the opening animation. It shows relatively clearly who the main characters are and sort of gives you an idea of what they can do. If it weren't for that, I would not know who the main character is. In addition, I looked up the Wikipedia article on it to learn a little bit more about it before we talked about it. Uh, one interesting thing, it's based on a South Korean manhwa, which is uh, has been kind of a theme with these Crunchyroll originals. Seems like they are trying to animate South Korean manga-like work rather than trying to get in the Japanese manga market. Um... And if it hadn't been for the plot summary in Wikipedia, I would not have been able to tell you this. And all of the information in Wikipedia, I could argue, was covered in those first two episodes. But I would also argue it was not covered clearly enough that I understood it. I generally don't think I'm an obtuse person. I don't think I usually have trouble understanding things. I don't think that this is intentionally obtuse in a way that is just 
like meant to throw you off the trail. I, I did say that I think they're trying to maintain some mystery. So I do think that there are some answers that I found in this Wikipedia article that were not contained in those first two episodes. But I just thought this was atrocious. I thought the animation was low quality, low effort, lots of uh, missing frames, lots of um, lots of uh, just like, it, it just looked like a it, an anime that didn't have a lot of budget, which when you put it up against Tower of God and God of High School that are really well done and high quality animation with fluid motion and lots of sakuga, it was really hard to watch this. Um, this also is not quite shown any, although the intro indicates that it will be. The first two episodes seem to be mostly setting up our cast of characters. Um, so there is a main guy who's like a high school student, but I, I think he's probably a vampire or he is a, a fictionalized thing for this series that is based closely around vampires because he, he he just reads like a vampire. They don't say it. They do indicate that he is hundreds of years old, if not older, and that he was exhumed from a uh, a sarcophagus recently or not a sarcophagus, but a, a um, oh God, what's the thing that you bury people in? All I can think of is thank you. Yeah. I got sarcophagus and crypt and I was like, those are too intense for that. Yeah. A casket. So there's a big casket with like a, a one of those, you know, Catholic -y Holy crosses on like the gun from the dude from Trigun, like uh, very, very vampire coded. Uh, he has a manservant dude who is the principal of his school. And I think is also immortal, but not the same type of immortal as him. And then there's like a, there seems to be like a super powered secret government mercenary organization. And like the show starts with this, like this soldier in the jungle who's talking about how his entire troop, uh, his entire uh, 24 man unit has been wiped out except for him. And he notes that it's because of the unit. And then the people of the unit show up and there are these like super powered uh, guys. And then they, seems like maybe they'll come around by episode three, but they sort of fade into the background. And then these, these other two characters show up that seem to be the same thing as the main character. And maybe they're antagonistic, but then they end up living with him and the main character doesn't know technology. So they get him a cell phone. And I just, I don't know what the fuck is happening here. <laughs> um, it is, it is based on a manhwa. It looks like it's six volumes, which I'm assuming is approximately the same size as a tankoban for a Japanese uh, manga, but I don't know that for sure. Uh, it is complete as far as I know. The animation, uh, the anime TV series is 13 episodes. I don't know if that covers the entire manhwa or not, um, but uh, it is complete. Uh, I, I think there are a lot of people listening who would really like this. And unfortunately, I can't say exactly why. It just, the premise on paper is intriguing, even to me. The execution, the way that it was done, the animation style, the, the amount of money that seems to have been put into the animation is not enough to keep me personally interested. But there are a lot of people out there that aren't bothered by those things that might enjoy this. I would say also, if you're into that kind of like powerful, noble vampire sort of thing, you're probably going to enjoy this. 
Um, it looks like there's going to be a little bit of um, fish out of waters like that movie that Johnny Depp did a while ago that was like a redo of an old um, uh, an old soap opera like Dark. It w- he was like a vampire that was like, yeah, Dark Shadows. Uh, it it kind of seems like a very serious um, anime version of that a little bit. And like I said, the intro hints that there will be cool battles involving cool powers, which did not happen in the first two episodes. And I was la bummed because I am all about cool battles with cool powers. And that can really fix a lot of problems that I have with series otherwise. So this just, I, I want honestly, you know, usually I watch the first episode. I had a little bit of extra time. So I watched the second one, but I would not have watched it if I felt like I knew what was going on. But at the time, by the time the first episode was over, my reaction was, I have no idea what is going on, what is going to happen, who any of these people are, or why I should care. So I watched the second episode for answers to those, and I didn't get them. And at that point, I was like, I'm not watching any more of this. I've Too much time has been sunk in this. Um, this is not, not to go back on that soapbox from a couple of weeks ago, but like, there is this idea in anime that really you should watch the first three episodes of something. I don't know how much that holds for these shows that are running shorter run that have, you know, 10 to 13 episodes. That seems a bit excessive to, to watch, you know, a quarter of the entire thing and sort of not get to the hook yet, but I did get that sense. So there might be a hook coming up in episode three. I don't think I'm ever going to find out because I just had such a bad experience watching this, such a frustrating experience watching this that I can't see myself returning to it. Mm, well, well, that's that's a bummer. I'm going to get into something yeah. sweet, though, uh, because for my screen time, Thought I would. watched... <laughs> Something that we've already covered, which is uh, the manga version of Moriarty the Patriot. Um, it sounds like the manga goes way more in depth into his childhood than the way the anime starts. Because the way the anime starts starts out with the first case that Moriarty works on. And by case, I mean he finds out who a, well, it seems like a pedophilic murderer is. Um, and okay. then... He introduces the murderer um, to one of the fathers of the children of the child that was killed. Um, so he introduces him to his murderer, um, except for the murderer is all tied up. And he's like, I brought you here so you can kill the, your child's murderer. And then he does. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. whoa, like. It's crazy. Well, um, well I, done. You know, when I uh, when I reviewed the an- the manga, it was a totally different story. It does sound like the anime is starting in a different place. And also oh, the yeah. anime and the manga are coming out pretty close to each other. I don't know if that's because of a delayed release here in the West, but uh, it makes me suspicious that maybe they're being released concurrently, which is something that happens occasionally. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the that. Uh, that's a story that I didn't read, but that's totally the vibe that I get. This is all about like dark justice, kind of like Dexter or some other like revenge questy movies. Yeah. I, I think I got, I think I got the most of a feel though is, uh, of like 
somebody who had just been watching Sherlock and they were just like, you know what would be great um, is if the person was as smart as Sherlock and able to figure out all this stuff. Um, and so it's a really interesting Sherlock Holmes story, except for Sherlock Holmes is uh, all about getting justice instead of finding out mysteries. So he finds out the mystery and then he's just like, in this world that's broken, the justice that isn't served, um, they wouldn't have been able to, they would they probably wouldn't have put this person to death instead of they would have put him into jail. Um, but at this point, this guy needs to die. And so I'm giving you um, your chance to do so if you have the resolve and the guy totally has the resolve. Um, and so it's, it's brutal. Um, it's definitely one of those that it's well animated, but it it's, there's a lot of moments inside of the first episodes where I'm, I was just like, everybody has like anime hair, but also like British sensibilities. Um, so it's like, uh, a little weird. Um, but at the same time, the, the story is so good that I'm willing to look past the little weird foibles that are inside of it. Um, and so it's, it's one of those that I, I definitely uh, would continue watching um, as someone who loves Sherlock and loves the the, the guy who plays Moriarty inside of Sherlock. Um, I'm getting like a strong vibe that he was kind of roughly um, uh, the way that that actor plays him inside of the show. Sherlock really reminds me of the way that this Moriarty reacts, except for it's a, a he's a little bit more pretty boy and suave than the Moriarty from Sherlock um, and le like a touch less deranged, but he definitely has a rough streak to him. There is also this really fantastic color tie-in that they do um, where everybody is like wearing um, outfits um, and accents that match their eye color. Um, and so Moriarty is wearing red and he has red eyes. Um, he has a counterpart that is, has green eyes and is wearing green. Um, and it's a really cool touch, um, and a really cool artistic spin on, um, just at least color and the way that color ties into the show. Um, and Moriarty, the way that they, the way that they do a, the couple of action scenes that happen inside of the show are also really well done. So this one is definitely like a, it's, it's definitely a, a swing and a hit um so i would i would i would suggest picking it up also the animation quality is really good um it's uh it's a it's a touch more it it, it feels a little bit more slice of life animation style than i'm i'm normally happy with um the animation style kind of reminded me of um of when we watch fruits baskets or yeah fruits basket um but uh it's 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 not the animation style that I would want it to be at the very end of the day, but it's still, it's still good enough um, that I would, I would say continue going with it. And with that being said, yeah. Uh, want to hit our, 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 double team here. What do we well, call this? I, I was going to say, I was going to say, um, we haven't had a, a strong response to our, our sushi thing. So uh -oh. I'm going to throw it out here, man, that people need to send that in. Because if you want this thing, you should get this thing. And I, I, I think that it's really cool. Um, and it's, you know, it's it's not like a like a cheap book thing that we're just giving away. So if you're interested, you should reach out. Otherwise, Stop not taking the cool stuff that I'm not allowed to take. 
Yeah, anyways. Um, anyways, let's go into our tag team. It's called Drifting Dragons. Um, yeah, I picked and- this because uh, we have a crossover episode coming out this Friday with Mother's Basement. And in our conversation, we watched the movie Castle in the Sky. And he was talking about how Castle in the Sky was super influential and noted this recent anime that I had not heard of and did not have on my list. So I put it on our list for this week. And uh, and we we watched it. I, w- I only watched the first episode, by the way. Yeah, uh, I I was not uh, I was not super happy with the show, and here's no. the reason why. <laughs> um, number one, it has a uh, like a cell shading 3D animation style that you know is one of my hard points that I am not super a big fan of. The other thing about it is that it deals with a fantasy version of the whaling industry um and that brutalization of animals is always something that is upset me um mm, and so interesting drifting dragons uh they are an airship squad that is hunting uh dragons which are just sky whales um or they call them drakes inside of the the animation one that i saw um but did you watch they, the dub or the sub I watched the sub. Um, okay, I watched the dub. Yeah, and it's it. There were a lot of moments that were just like, like the first time you're introduced to a dragon and it just is getting murdered with a harpoon to the head, um, and it's just like, oh god, it's just so brutal. It's just like, um, I'm. I I'm I I can watch all day humans killing each other. It seems like it doesn't bother me as much. But when you introduce like fictional animals getting brutalized as a whaling industry metaphor, um it's it's just something that just rubs me the wrong way. And that that might just be me, um but it was it was hard for me to get over even though I I sort of understood it because they, the dragons kind of seemed like gentle giants. Um, so yeah, I, okay. So I didn't have the exact same reaction, but what you're seeing resonates with my reaction a little bit, which was number one. I love dragons. I particularly love European style dragons, which are the sort of boxier boys that you see in like the Hobbit versus the, uh, Asian style dragons, which are more snake like, Um, I like both, but I tend to prefer the European ones because I like dinosaurs and dragons are basically uh, magical dinosaurs. And that's awesome. Uh, The dragon uh, that there are some screenshots in the net, not a sponsor uh, episode list for future episodes that make it look like European style dragons will be involved. And uh, on the Wikipedia page, the cover of the first Tonkoban volume makes it look like European style dragons will be involved, but the dragons involved in the first episode are like squid monsters, uh, which I'm not generally opposed to mythical creatures having strange and unusual shapes. Uh, And I do generally think that it's fun to pull like weird, creepy monsters from the ocean and make them fantasy things that are not in the ocean. That's, that's cool. Uh, but I don't know, maybe it's because they called it a dragon and I want my, my big dinosaurs with wings, uh, or I don't know that there was something about that that rubbed me the wrong way. It was also, it was so alien that I had a hard time connecting with the dragon one way or the other, but they did portray the hunting of it as pretty brutal um, especially the, the anime opens on a sequence of them hunting it and you, 
it, you're they've already hooked into the dragon so they they hunt it they they have these sky ships which jeff thu was completely correct like this sky ship looked like it was literally taken from castle in the sky no modifications and just put into this anime um so that was totally right the, the dna is strong in this one um but then it, it just opens they've already harpooned the dragon so that they can kind of like connect to it and hold it once it has died and then the the second step is them harpooning vital organs until it dies and it's presented as this action sequence which i think you know your mileage may and almost certainly will vary if you don't agree with spencer and i on this but the cg 3d animation is stunted and unnatural it is almost uncanny valley for me Uh, and i don't always feel this way but in in this kind of thing i'm like these characters are moving and fluid in ways that don't add a lot and when they are moving and fluid in the ways that should be like lovely sakuga moments they just look they look like you know 3d characters being sort of dragged and dropped and it just doesn't work i I was sitting there watching it and i was like this is like watching an extended video game cutscene, but video game cutscenes are more flash in the pan and also your experience with them is different because you are in the midst of playing that game and this is just like it's all the video game without any of the game part and that was a bummer I'm sorry, I'm all over the place, but my thoughts were just really, I was really frustrated with this. I The premise of skyships hunting dragons is so up my alley, I cannot describe it to you. But Spencer, I think you're totally right. It, the first episode does a really bad job of painting the protagonists as heroes, even though the show's tone and shooting and writing indicate that they should be considered that. We don't have enough information as of the first episode to understand why dragons are dangerous and should be hunted. They spend most of the episode carving up the dragon meat, selling it, and cooking it, and talking about how delicious it is. Interestingly enough, almost every uh, uh, episode title has some sort of food dish in the title. So it seems like the way that these are cooked is a part of it. It's like food wars with hunting dragons in the sky added on top. And that does not bode well for my personal enjoyment of the show. I'm going to want something that's a lot more monster action, and then that indicates it might be. But also, yeah, they they end up hunting another dragon at the end of the first episode, and it's the same kind of dragon as the one they took down. It looks identical. And they there's a, a little bit of lip service paid to that and and before they go out hunting to the idea that, like, dragons will attack human settlements and can be dangerous and so like i understand a storyline in which these dragons are natural predators who have you know whose meat can be repurposed as a meal or who have you know interesting body parts but i think your analogy to whaling is completely right like the first episode does not do a good job of setting up these dragons as anything other than majestic prey that will otherwise not harm anybody. They say it will, but even when a dragon is shown over a city and the characters talk about how dangerous it is, they only talk about how dangerous it is in the context of bringing the dragon down over the city and having like detritus or potentially the corpse fall on the city rather than the dragon actually doing anything itself. Yeah, and that's it's not just, the dragon's fault. It's just yeah. like, 
it's like if you're if you're like, well, that whale is gonna run into that ship if we kill that whale and it can't change course, and it's uh-huh. just like, yeah, like of course, <laughs> yeah, that is your fault. Yeah, stop blaming the animal. Yeah, yeah. it just I, I'm sure it changes again. It looks like it has dino dragons uh, in in the series later on. And I am intellectually curious about that. But the first episode was so it was a snooze for me. Honestly, I thought the action sequences were unexciting. I did not feel pulled into this. I thought the world was maybe interesting, but it kind of just felt it felt like maybe this is the perspective of the heroes, but it felt a little bare. And I was just like, man, I want to like this. It has a lot of elements in the concept, if not in the first episode that I am into. But the first episode was such a disappointment that I can't see myself returning to this. Yeah. Well, anyways, let's go into your uh, page flips for this week. And this is something that I'd never heard of before. Oh, okay. I have heard of this. I don't know why. It must have been either Mother's Basement or one of the other anime people that I follow mentioning it. Um, so this is a, a manga called zip man and zip man has been going for just a couple of, a couple of volumes. Now it's, I think 17 or 18 chapters old by the time you're hearing this. So it is another early series that you can be an early adopter of. This is a manga series by do, 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 do Yusaku Shibata. And uh, I looked up Yusaku Shibata. I don't recognize anything that they have done. They did the art for Dragon Quest, some some Dragon Quest volume that the rest of the title is in Japanese, so I don't know which one it is. Uh, and then they've done story art and art for, which is you know generally what you get from a manga artist. Uh, they did something called Enma Gavel. They did Hanazamurai no Sahara and Yoe Yoa Kemono. Those are the three series they've done before Zipman. I don't recognize any of them, but maybe out there you can decipher my horrible mispronunciations of those titles and say, oh, I know that one. Um, but yeah, this Zipman seems like the first thing of theirs that's really coming to the fore. And I don't know how many people are reading this, but I do know that I think you should read it. Zipman is about a young guy, middle school or high school. You know how it is with shonen anime. Uh, he is, uh, he has like scars and shit all over his face. And a lot of, uh, a lot of attention is paid in the early parts of the first chapter to the fact that many people around him think that he is really scary looking and their reaction to him is feeling uncomfortable and wanting to get away from him as quickly as possible. He has grown up idolizing, uh, what I, what I believe to be a super sentai character, called Jackman, which is not a really fortunate name in the American translation, but you can always say it's like Jackman, like Hugh Jackman, and then that's kind of fun. So Jackman seems to be kind of like a common writer or one of those other, like not like the Power Rangers, but like a solitary Sentai hero. And uh, this this main character loves Jackman. He grew up on him, and now Uh, I think he's in high school. He is auditioning to be a part of the Jackman show. And he wants to be Jackman because he has idolized him his whole life. He like works out all the time and practices the stances and moves of Jackman. And um, he just, this is his goal. He wants to be the superhero. And his specifically stated goal is that he wants to bring smiles to everyone's faces. The DNA of All Might is very strong 
in Jackman and the way that it interacts with this dude's life, it feels very much like he is pulling on the All Might Deku connection from My Hero Academia in a way that I think is totally appropriate. Um, it, it definitely feels maybe a little too similar, but it doesn't feel just like a, a patent ripoff. So um, so the, the main character, he keeps auditioning for this hero. He keeps getting cast, if he gets cast at all, as the villains because people think his face is too scary. So also at the start of the story, you find out that his, uh, I think, twin brother, who he was a little bit older than, uh, like born, I think they're twins and he was born first, but maybe they're, maybe they're like adopted. Uh, it's it stated that he's older and they don't look alike. So I'm not sure. Um, so his, his younger brother, potential twin brother, uh, happens to be a robotics genius. I think they said he got his like graduate or maybe doctorate's degree at like 12 and was running his own successful robotics company at the age of 15. Since then he has made, major scientific advancements in various fields using robotics. And he has now suddenly and unexpectedly died at the start of the story. He is dead. And our main character who is busy auditioning for Jackman roles doesn't really know what to do with this because it turns out that his brother and he both idolized Jackman and spent their entire lives trying to make people smile. And he feels like he's always lost to his brother and uh, they also are have a crush on the same girl, and he he's just sort of he's lost because he his brother died unexpectedly, and um, even in death, sort of the memory of the brother keeps making this girl smile, and he's like, I kept I kept losing to you, and now I've lost to you. I never won except like maybe one time, and he just he doesn't know what to do with himself, and then. The he and the girl are together. They hear a news report that there is foul play suspected in the death of the brother. And this is the first either of them are hearing about it. And then that news report is interrupted by the fact the truth that a giant robot has appeared out of the ocean and is attacking the city. And this is unprecedented. This is not a universe in which giant robots have ever attacked the city before. This is crazy. So this huge robot starts coming toward Tokyo Tower, which is where they are right then. Then our main character starts getting text messages from his dead brother. The texts, oh yeah, the texts include a nickname that only the brother ever called him. So he feels like this is definitely his brother. The texts tell him to get ready. He needs to meet them outside of Tokyo Tower through a series of sort of random, uh, somewhat serendipitous, but also somewhat tragic events. He is separated from the girl, uh, which allows him to get outside by himself when a truck pulls up and a cute dog suit is uh, revealed to him and they tell him to get in. The dog suit, he has to unzip it and climb into the suit. When he does, he is transformed into a superhero. He fights the robot, punches it out, and then using the you know instincts that he has developed over his lifelong obsession, announces himself as the real Jackman, says Jackman's catchphrase, and has saved the day. And then the first chapter, obviously spoilers for the first chapter, the first chapter closes 
with him inquiring how the how his brother was texting him from beyond the grave and the suit that he's wearing informs him that his brother is not dead his brother is the suit what that's yeah. insane this is like it's, oh, it's man. great it's man. great this gave me maybe not quite as exciting vibes as um kaiju number eight but I think it gets into the sort of hook a little bit quicker than Kaiju Number 8 does. It also has a sort of cartoony, rounded, exaggerated features and uh, uh, character design style that reminds me of Soul Eater in all the right ways. I adored this. I enjoyed it so much that I read the second chapter also. And uh, I was going to read the third chapter, but then uh, we got in contact with each other to start recording. This is very good. Maybe I probably still enjoyed Kaiju number eight a little bit more, but this is another one that I think you guys need to jump on and start enjoying. If you're into Super Sentai, uh, superhero, uh, potentially giant mech, I can't, I don't know how many of these robots are going to be giant. And Zip Man, as I'm assuming he will start to be called, but he calls himself Jack Man in the comic. Whoever, the main character that has now become this superhero. Uh, is not giant, but he was able to fight the giant robot pretty successfully. So don't know exactly where it's going, but it's got a lot of elements that I am so down for. And it does them in this stylized, enjoyable way that makes it feel fun and energetic without detracting too much from the stakes of the situation. So I I I thought this was delightful and I want this to continue uh, it's only 17 or 18 chapters old as you're listening to this, so I would encourage anybody who thinks this sounds at all like their thing to jump on it soon and tell your friends so that it can keep getting published. Yeah, cool. Um, so my page flip for this week is something that I'm sure Blake is putting in here so that we can throw in a shameless plug for our Patreon. Um, so um, Also because it would be you know easy for you to cover. <laughs> yeah, so um, our, our in, inside of our Patreon coverage, we are covering Bleach. Um, if you want to be a part of our Patreon, it's as little as $1 a month, um, and you can access all of our coverage of uh, Bleach so far. And inside of our coverage of Bleach so far, I am covering each month a new chapter of Zombie Powder. Zombie Powder is um, a one of the earliest uh, manga adaptations, or not adaptations, but original manga that was done by Tite Kubo. Um, or Tite Kubo, uh, we 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 refer to him as Titty Kubo inside of the episodes. Um, so uh, be aware of that uh, if you're going to be jumping in. Um, but I wanted to give a, a quick thing to Zombie Powder um, because Zombie Powder is a weird manga that looks like it was super inspired by Trigun. Um, it uh, has a main character who carries around a big giant sword that uh, turns into a chainsaw. Um, he also, um, is a really badass technologically advanced character in a world that has not so great technology all at the same time. Um, and what they're searching around for is these rings, um, these life energy rings, um, uh, rings of the dead. When you bring them together, it creates something called zombie powder and the zombie powder can give you eternal life. Um, it's, it's a, apparently a super 
super, super powerful thing inside of this world. Obviously, it would be in our world, too. Um, but uh, the main character is joined by another character in the first chapter, um, which is a young boy who is uh, has been forced to be a part of a gang. Um, he doesn't want to be a part of the gang uh, through a series of the gang's leader being a complete jackass. Um, the young boy's mother is killed, um, and he then joins in with our main character and follows him around. Um, it is a really interesting manga so far. Um, if you really like the uh, manga style of Bleach, uh, but you want a super weird, different place to put it in, um, Zombie Powder is good and interesting. Um, the biggest problems I've run into so far with it is that it feels a little bit inconsistent and a little bit jumpy. Um, and I completely can understand that from the perspective of a young manga creator creating his freshman work. Um, it definitely feels like that. It feels like it is really, really influenced by some other media. Um, it feels like he is uh, a little bit a little bit of a ripoff of Trigun, um, it, without the in-depth creation of the world of Trigun. Um, but it also has its own spins on things that can kind of draw you in. And the action sequences are cool. Um, if you know anything about the way that Kubo works, um, he is all about the rule of cool. Um, inside of Bleach, there are many moments which just feel out of the blue fight sequence that is just cool for the sake of cool. Um, and it gives you, you know, like reasons behind it, but you kind of understand that the reason that he put this together is just so that he could show off a cool power. Um, and it's definitely present here in Zombie Powder, for sure. Um, I would say that this, if if this is one that you want to pick up and you want to go all the way through, you can. Um, the original run was 1999 to 2000. Um, so, the only problem with it is that I have no idea how it ends. I don't know if it completely wraps up. There are only four volumes, um, so it's it's gonna end and it didn't get picked up, and it's been out of circulation for about 20 years now. Um, so, you know, take your mileage as it is, and uh, and see if you if you like it. I, I think that it's one of those that if you want to read the if you're a big Bleach fan um, flan, if you're a big Bleach fan you should definitely pick it up just because you get a really cool um, genesis of the way that Kubo works inside of manga styling um, and I I think that that's really cool to be able to see the, the complete works of a creator um, so with all that being said I, I think this is one to jump into, and I'm I'm sorry if it ends on a cliffhanger because Kubo <laughs> didn't get to finish, but that's not my problem, it's your problem. Um, anyways, uh, stick with us after these credits and we'll give you another life lesson. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions and presented as part of the Geekly Grind podcast network. Sound editing is done by Rashad English. He's our level 13 sound wizard. 13? Did he jump even more levels? He gained a lot of experience by defeating the Dark Lord of Smooth Jazz. Do you mean Chuck Mangione from King of the Hill? Rashad is the King of the Hill now. Damn it, Bobby. Anyway, our podcast is ad-free, and if you want to keep it that way, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Follow us on Twitter at B&S Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. 
or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash getjumped. Also, we have a Discord server. You can find the links to that on all of our social media platforms. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New review episodes come out every Monday, and new rewatch episodes appear every Friday. And hey, thanks for listening. Greetings, anime fans. My name is Jeremy, and I'm the editor-in-chief for The Geekly Grind, a place where geeks can go to escape their weekly grind. We're coming up on our fifth year of operation, and to celebrate, we searched high and low for some of the coolest podcasts out there in order to create a new geek-centric podcast network. And what we found were three awesome shows that are sure to be a great addition to any geek's media menu. Of course, there's Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, which is this wonderful show, which features an additional episode weekly now to cover new anime and manga from our friends at Viz and Funimation. You can also dive into the world of comics with Comic Book Keepers, where Chris and Lance chew the fat about their favorite heroes, villains, and comic series, as well as the impact that comics can have on our lives. Finally, if you're seeking a fantastical and fun retreat, Knights of the Rolled Table is an engaging and family-friendly D&D adventure starring talented improv actors. With three fantastic podcasts on the books and more on the horizon, make sure to check out the Geekly Grind Podcast Network as well as our regular content at www.thegeeklygrind.com. We'll see you next week, and until then, make sure you zip yourself into the bodysuit inhabited by the consciousness of your deceased relatives before fighting the giant robot.